We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the week three edition of the Pro Football Focus Fantasy Show here on Roto-Grinders. I am Britt Devine uh, with the new face of the season, Mr. Ian Harditz. Uh, Ian, uh, Minshew Mania, right? Uh, last night takes a little step back here, but uh, we got a really fun main slate this week. We are missing a couple of big teams, the Ravens and the Chiefs. Uh, but this is going to be a really fun week. Russ is cooking. We got some huge totals. We got some good plays. We've got a helicopter music later in the show. A uh, hat, hat tip to Devin uh, for some smooth, uh, smooth audio on that one. But uh, yeah, Ian, dude, uh, let's get ready to have some fun this week. Yeah, man, it's funny looking at these uh, betting lines and over unders. I felt way better about those last week. Now it's we oh. just got a, a bunch of good games. But in terms of DFS, man, I think there's plays all over the board. So you know, you m- m- might have to rearrange the uh, you know old uh, what I'm investing more in. But I think we got some uh, awesome plays on deck. Yeah, dude, Ve- Vegas, right? I think week week two, just some of the lines were atrocious set by Vegas, especially on the money line side, like the 49ers. It, you know, we, we were both on that one. They, they should have been like plus 500 or 600 right now, like plus like 300, but it's just like free money. And I do agree. The lines, they look better this week. They're more in line with my expectations. It was a little tough for me to pick them out. So we'll have to see if we can keep our good records going. Uh, but, uh, you know, Russ is cooking. I'm going to let Ian cook here at the top of the show here, his mismatch manifesto. It is now behind the paywall over a pro football focus. But luckily for you guys, both watching on YouTube and on the podcast feed later in the week, uh, we get to talk about it here. It goes over a bunch of things, pace, EPA, mismatches in the trenches, rushing, all that fun stuff. Uh, Ian, this is your big article on PFF every week. Uh, I'm going to give you the floor. Let's start cooking, my man. Yeah, uh, it's behind the paywall again this week, but you know, definitely check me out on Twitter at iHearted. So I send out the charts that I'm deriving all this information from every week. You can see those and you know, listen to what I'm saying now and also just pour your own uh, takeaways from it. So starting off looking at combined explosive pass play rate. And now we have two weeks into this. So I think, you know, again, it'll be better in week five or so when we have a full month, but we're starting to get some better takeaways and actual we're seeing spots now that maybe are being undervalued by the public. And so you look at the top three offenses this week and explosive pass play rate and okay Russell Wilson the Seahawks we get that Lamar Jackson the Ravens we get that but the number one spot that's popping is actually Jared Goff and the Rams against his Buffalo defense I mean look Tredavious White complete stub we realize that but you know you look at last week the Dolphins offense was able to move that ball uh, pr- pretty easily down the field once they got behind even week one you know we saw that atrocious uh, Jets offense at least make a couple big plays I know the Crowder screen was maybe a little fluky but you know the Bills have been giving up production particularly in the middle of the field out of the slot I'm sure we 
both have some thoughts on uh, ways to take advantage of that later. But, you know, I think just really uh, looking at this Rams uh, passing game, which, you know, I was probably lower on than I should have been uh, going into the year. But, you know, McVay has continued to make adjustments, doing a good job. And, you know, in a, so far this year, the Rams have been playing with leads and not really been having to ask off and do too much. But in a potential sneaky shootout, I think we could see golf, you know, get back to flirting with that 40 pass attempts. Yeah, we're going to be duking it out later in the show over middle of the field targets uh, on this offense is, is who's going to be the one to go off. Someone's going to. Uh, so I do like the Rams. I agree too. McVay, right? He's one of the smartest coaches in the league. I think that's pretty obvious. And with, uh, you know, he's uh, without the fans, uh, he's able to call the plays in a lot easier than, than he could let Goff, you know, manipulate him behind the scenes with the puppet strings to get him into the right offenses and things like that. Uh, I, I like that game to have a, have a ton of points this weekend. So I, I, I'm agreeing with it. Maybe I'll add another bet. Uh, actually on that one maybe I'll maybe I'll hit the over on that one uh but with that out of the way let's uh I'm scrolling down right if you guys do watch the show live I know a lot of people listen to this on podcast but you do get to see behind the pain wall uh, I click through all the things that Ian's talking about so if you do ever have a chance to catch it live uh, you can get that it's uh Fridays at one o'clock eastern uh, on Roto Grinders here so let's talk about pace uh one of the big things right we want teams that get a lot of plays on both sides of the ball, that's more fantasy points for us. Uh, where are we looking for pace this week? Yeah, so the top two matchups that stick out are number one, uh, the Washington football team at the Cleveland Browns. Washington's number two in situation neutral pace. I know their offenses look ugly at times, but I think what Scott Turner and them are doing schematically, it, it, it is showing a you know reason for optimism once Haskins – excuse me, once a half gets the company, get a little more on the same page. Right now, it's just kind of been a Terry McLaurin show, but I think once they get, you know, a second, third playmaker uh, more consistently involved, we'll see some better things from that offense. And the other really fast matchup is the Lions uh, versus the Cardinals. Lions are 10th in situation neutral pace. Uh, Cardinals number three. Cardinals moved pretty fast last year, but they're really unleashing it this year now that they got Kyler and Hopkins uh, really grooving along. The one matchup that is really slow and kind of stands out is the 49ers uh, at the Giants, but even that's like, I mean, it's uh, got a combined a situation neutral pace of 62 usually if it's like under 64 65 i'm not too worried about it so uh the only other situation i've mentioned is the cowboys are just moving faster than anybody uh this year i mean this there's seconds per play in, in neutral situations is 22 the, ne- the next closest team is at 26 and they asked mike mccarthy about this during the week and he pretty much said we want to run as many plays as possible and score as many points as possible and you know what they're going to need to against this uh, seahawks offense and that was always the allure of this cowboy Cowboys team. It wasn't just Dak and all his playmakers. It was that they did not have a good defense to go along with that. So we can't see shootouts like we saw last week uh, with the Falcons. So Browns, Washington, and uh, Detroit and Arizona. I think that quote's like next level coachery, right? We saw week one, the Falcons were like, uh, we, we game plan for the run because we didn't think Seattle was capable of actually letting Russ cook and he cooked right. all over him. Is this like, are the, is this like, wouldn't you put out anti-quotes like if you're the coach <laughs> about what you want to do? That would make sense to me, but I, I don't know if these guys are smart enough to do things like that, Ian. <laughs> it's a good point, man. It's a good point. Uh, all right, let's go in a couple things. Uh, mismatches in the trenches. These are always important. I like I look at this stuff for sort of defenses, um, you know, like the Steelers, right? They're going up against a good offense this week. The defense is so good. They get so much pressure. Watson could be in a lot of trouble this week. What are we looking at out there in terms of pressure and some run stuff in the trenches this week? Yeah, Watson's popping as the <laughs> single uh, worst guy to worry about. I mean, that combined pressure rate's at 92%. The next highest one's only 77%. So, you know, it's a problem for Watson. The other guys popping are uh, Jeff Driscoll and Lamar Jackson. But I will say with all three of these quarterbacks, I mean, you know, they are at the top of the league in terms of pressure, but it's not so much on their offensive line. I mean, these these are quarterbacks that when they're sitting back there and pressure starts to come on the way, it's like, what are your options here? Do you want to run around, try to make a play, maybe take a sack? Do you want to try to force it downfield to someone that's not open? Or do you just want to throw the ball away and like n- nothing good can come of that? So I think, you know, Watson, yes, he has these plays where he takes these bad sacks. But on the other side of things, you know, he creates a lot of plays that would never have been there if he hadn't taken that chance in the first place. So uh, if you are going to go after an offense that, you know, has a high pressure rate facing them, I do think it should be with one of these quarterbacks that, you know, isn't a statue back there and just get teed off on. So I wouldn't be super concerned with them. Obviously, a tough spot for Watson, you know, against that Steelers defense as a whole. But at least these guys can move. Uh, a couple guys that should just have all day to throw. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was popping in this, uh, and he had a obviously great game last night. But uh, Cam Newton against that Raiders pass rush should be just fine. Also, uh, 
Ryan Tannehill against the Vikings, as long as Daniel Hunter remains sidelined, that's a, you know, a defense we don't need to worry about. And then uh, Justin Herbert against his Panthers defense that, you know, through a couple of weeks, uh, I don't know, in preseason, we were saying the Panthers were probably going to be the worst defense in the league and haven't seen a bunch to uh, really remove that idea so far. And then uh, finally, last one is Tom Brady uh, at the Broncos at 47%. I mean, looking at this Broncos defense, man, you got no Von Miller. The secondary is all sorts of banged up. You know, Bradley Chubb is still getting his feet underneath him. I'm still having like flashbacks to every time Brady's kind of gone in the mile high over the years and how bad that's turned. But, you know, I think I might just be letting that get in my head too much because you look at the actual matchups in the year 2020 and this Sunday, and it does look like the Buccaneers could uh, have their way with the Broncos potentially. Yeah, I like some of those receivers too. Low-owned GPP targets. I don't think they made any of the helicopter plays out there for either one of us, but uh, both Evans and Godwin, uh, I I think they look pretty good. If Brady's going to have time, they're both low-owned. They're a little high-priced, just above those, uh, you know, elite mid-tier wide receivers in that Seattle-Dallas game. Uh, But I think, uh, you know, if the pressure stuff stands out for you, uh, that just gives more credence to maybe looking at a couple of those Tampa Bay wide receivers uh, for some low-owned tournament plays. Uh, Finally, let's talk about some... Uh, running backs battles in the trenches here. Uh, you know, if you can get yard, yards before contact, count just as much as yards after contact and mm-hmm. fantasy points here. So what are we looking at here? Which offensive lines uh, can give the running backs some room to run? Yeah, three units that are really popping in terms of these running backs should have, you know, a nice little uh, f- nice little free pass uh, downfield until they got to worry about incoming defenders. But the 49ers, number one, and, you know, at Jarek McKinnon, real uh, you know, popular waiver ad this week. And I do think he's certainly in play as a top, you know, 25, 26 option as position. But, you know, Jeff Wilson, DFS, man, maybe uh, go against the grain a little bit, a little less chalky, and it wouldn't be surprising if he does command most of that early down work. But so many, this is so few, uh, especially if Kittle, out so few playmakers on that offense we know Shanahan's going to make it work for whoever's out there it looks like McKinnon could be near uh, the top of the pecking order there and also uh, Arizona Cardinals versus the Detroit Lions Lions have really struggled on run D um, really since they lost uh, Snacks Harrison a, a year or two ago and Kenyon Drake he's been getting that workers workhorse role I think he's gotten a little chalkier as the week has gone on people have realized this is a really good spot but you know I, we're going to see a big game out of Drake sooner rather than later and then find the Minnesota Vikings uh, versus the Tennessee Titans the Vikings have been running the ball fine like Dalvin Cook is doing good they're just they back-to-back weeks they've gotten really far behind on the scoreboard that could happen with the Titans again but at some point I think we're going to see the Vikings uh, be able to play either with the lead or just not down multiple scores uh, for a little bit so Dalvin Cook I know we were kind of thinking last week could be his big bounce back game but potentially uh, onto this week and the only two matchups that you know you should maybe approach with some caution because of how screwed these O-lines might be Uh, on the other side of the field with the Giants I mean Look, why is everyone freaking out over Devontae Freeman, Deion Lewis, and Wayne Gallman? The most athletic and maybe the best running back in the league couldn't do anything behind the offensive line. I mean, until we see something uh, from the offensive line that they can you know, block for anybody, I'm pretty much staying away from that situation. That's even before considering the likelihood that it is a committee of sorts. And then the other, on the other spot is uh, with the Broncos going up against Tampa Bay. I would say that like, I'm not going to fade Melvin Gordon just because of this. Because last week we saw without Philip Lindsay, Gordon did become the guy like near 80% snap rate, truly a featured role. So maybe I'm not going to have too high of exposure for him on DFS, but you know, if you're here for season long, I definitely wouldn't, uh, you know, be benching Moten Gordon just because of the bad matchup. Yeah. He was able to come through just a, just enough against the Steelers. Maybe he can do it again. The Bucks though, right. Um, pretty much shut down Alvin Kamara outside, you know, a little, got a little work in the passing game, but that's always a really tough run defense. So I don't, I don't think there's going to be too much room for Melvin Gordon for me this week, but you, but you never know. Uh, what else you want to talk about a little EPA stuff here. Then uh, we'll get into some position plays for the week and some bets. How does that sound good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, with the combined EPA, I've been taking the uh, offenses EPA per play, estimated points added, and just taking on the defenses, what they're giving up per play. And the nice little trend we found so far is that six of nine games uh, have hit the over that have two positive uh, offenses. And, you know, some are more positive than others, but not bad. And, you know, one of the misses was last night, Dolphins-Jaguars. Hey, you know, if Gardner puts that uh, big time miss on uh, Chris Conley's chest instead, I think we'd be having a different conversation. So I do like the trend so far. And, you know, if it's a sky high total, it's already been moving a lot throughout the week. Maybe we need to adjust. But it does make sense to me that we want to attack overs that have two quality offenses facing solid matchups. So uh, this week's qualifiers are Raiders Patriots, Bears Falcons, Rams Bills, Titans Vikings, Cowboys Seahawks and Packers Saints. 
and you know, I agree with most of those. Most of those, you look at the matchups, and okay, the Vikings. You know, a lot of their work's been in garbage time, and that was one of the misses from last week. So maybe uh, they're popping a little bit too much from just moving the ball up and down the field once the Packers were up multiple scores. But otherwise, I mean, Raiders have been impressive. Patriots and Cam were doing their thing. Uh, I think anyone can move the ball against that Falcons defense, even Mitch Trubisky, and we know Matt what Matt Ryan can do. Uh, golfers, Josh Allen. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Cowboys, Seahawks. Obviously, we all know. And then Packers, Saints. Look, even even if Devontae Adams isn't there, I mean, the way Rodgers is playing right now and the way uh, that kind of Saints defense was crumbling a little bit against the Raiders, I think it could be a spot to target. All right, so that's uh, going to about do it. If you guys ever want to check out Ian's stuff, you do need the PFF uh, Edge subscription. I think it's $39.99 over there. And get that, that gets you access to the grades and basically all their premium fantasy articles. You can also check them out on Twitter at iHartitz. That's I-H-A-R-T-I-T-Z. And you'll be able to get, uh, you know, he tweets out all sorts of stuff. Also, really clever on Twitter, too, with all the uh, the gifts and, and things that you drops to a really fun follow in DFS if you're looking for some information. Uh, all right. Uh, now that week two is in the books, uh, it's time to review the tape and prepare for this week. There is no better place than to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To add to this week's excitement, DraftKings has a free shot at millions of dollars in total of prizes up for grabs. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game like having a shot at millions of dollars. DraftKings has paid out billions. That's with a B of dollars to winners since 2012. They know a thing or two about hard, cold, hard cash. Uh, download the DraftKings app now. Use code DFF for a limited time. New users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on the week three action. Enter code DFF to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code DFF only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, Ian. uh, Hey, DraftKings, legal sportsbook available in a lot of states. I don't have it here in New York, unfortunately. But if you do, uh, I'm 4-1 and so far on my bets I put on here. The sports book, it's just a 10-minute drive for me, so I've been making some decent money on these as well. Uh, two bets I got for you this week. I got the Steelers minus four. I just think Deshaun Watson is in a world of hurt this week. The Steelers defense at home, I think it's going to be a pretty easy win. I-, I wish it was three, right, so maybe I could push on the three, but I like the four still pretty good there. Um, I-, I just think the Steelers, Ben, the rust is off. That offense is good. James Conner. Uh, We were all worried about Benny Snell. That didn't really happen last week. He's out there. You can run all over Houston. You can pass all over Houston. And I think that defense is good enough to get the minus four. Uh, The other one I'm looking at is Tennessee minus two and a half at Minnesota. I don't like laying points on the road too much, but Minnesota, that defense looks, I mean, it's just bad. You can pass all over them, not to mention trying to stop Derrick Henry. I know it's not December yet, but Derrick Henry, uh, I think he makes for a great GPP play this week. Uh, A little bit of a bounce back after burning us. So those are my two bets this week. Uh, what do you like those? I, I know uh, your, your big money line. It was close, but it got there last week. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, watching <laughs> those uh, Chiefs field goals at the end was quite the sweat. But, yeah, 49ers, Ravens, Chiefs, uh, dig cash. And, again, man, like I, I wanted to go back to the well with that this week, but I couldn't even find, like, two games that I was just like, oh, yeah, they're definitely uh, going to win. Maybe aside from, you know, the Colts, but they're, like, minus 11 at this point. So yeah. uh, I like two underdogs. I like the Washington football team getting seven and a half points. Against the Browns, like, okay, I think the Browns look good in week two against the Bengals. But even then, okay, they won by five points. They allowed Burrow to go up and down the field at the end. Baker, okay, it was a nice dime to OBJ, but I'm still not sold on him being the guy. And this Washington defense is legit. And we saw that in week one against the Eagles. And, you know, they made Kyler Murray and company at least work for it in week two. That game got away from him a little bit. I mean, I, I don't know that Washington is necessarily going to be a world-beating team this year. You know, the 2020 version of the 49ers, that's a little – uh uh I think that's asking a little bit too much, but you know, seeing the Browns getting seven and a half points, I know the line started at five and a half. So we've had some money uh, going on the Browns, but I just think it's a situation where Washington can do their thing because the defense is good enough to hang with the Browns and the Browns defense, which I think has been playing well this year is all sorts of banged up right now. I mean, Denzel Ward and greedy Williams and Kevin Johnson, their three mm-hmm. top corners. They're all looking questionable. And we also got Olivia Vernon uh, dealing with abdominal injury, Mac Wilson, their linebacker, Adrian Claiborne or Deanne, just injuries all over the place. 
So, you know, when you're asking for more than a touchdown for a banged up team, and I think a pretty evenly matched uh, matchup in the first place, give me those points. And then I'm also going with the Packers uh, plus three against the Saints. You know, I was kind of shocked. This almost didn't turn around after that performance that the Saints uh, put forward on Monday night. You know, no Michael Thomas still. It's problematic. Drew Brees, like the concerns are real. And he's not going to be, I think, this just awful quarterback. They've never won, like, throwing the ball downfield, even if he can't do it as well as he could, uh, you know, in the past. They're going to be okay. They have two, uh, Sean Payton's too smart. And, you know, having Kamara there and still Jared Cook and Traquan, they still have guys that can get it. But I just think the Packers, who are, could also be without no more wide receiver, Rodgers has been playing worlds better than Breeze this year. I like the Saints' defense, but they weren't doing uh, – they weren't looking all that good last week. I think the Packers' defense has a sim- similar amount of talent. Two defenses that, you know, aren't, aren't the Steelers. They're not this elite unit we to worry about every week. But they do have some blue-chip talent, I think, on the D-line and the secondary. So, if you know, we're saying all else is equal. Right now, give me Aaron Rodgers over Drew Brees. You're playing the injuries. It looks like Denzel Ward. He's questionably got a downgrade today in practice. You get the downgrade. You're probably not going to play on on a Friday. So it looks like he's going to be out. Uh, That helps your Washington side as well. And Devontae Adams, he's still sidelined Friday. Basically, that just crossed as we were recording this. So he might not be playing here. Does that do anything for you? Uh, No, because, I mean, again, I think both offenses are facing the same problem with uh, Devontae and Michael. Aaron, dude, seven targets uh, per (laughs) game when Devontae's been uh, injured. Aaron Jones season. All right. Uh, let's talk some position DFS plays here. We'll give you a couple cash plays, a couple tournament plays. At the end of the show, we'll have our helicopter plays. Ian's got a, some. I try to keep pace. Uh, my Saquon and uh, what a Mike Williams, right? I think I got screwed on both of those last week. An injury, two injuries. Uh, Tyrod Taylor uh, getting his lung blown out by the team doctor. Uh, <sighs> hurt my Mike Williams, Saquon out for the season. I'll try to do better this week. But let's just start off in cash. You, had, you have Kyler Murray here. I'm basically quarterback is the last position I'm filling in this week. As long, I'm going to put a preference on, I have one of the top five running quarterbacks. These, these are the cheat codes, and it is so much more prevalent this year than it has been in the past. I mean, is Kyler Murray going to be on pace for 24? Is he going to get 24 rushing touchdowns? That's what he's on pace for right now. Probably not. Is Cam Newton going to get there? Probably not, right? But having these dual threat quarterbacks is just – the perfect way to, you know, end slash or start your cash game. So I think Kyler Murray, but I'm cool. I'm cool with let, letting Russ cook. That game looks pretty good. Dak Prescott, or he stole all my Zeke touchdowns last week. Zeke still got there, but he's looking pretty good. Josh Allen. I like that game to shoot out. Cam Newton's doing great. We got Kyler Murray. Um, it's the last spot I'm filling out. I, I'm with you. I sort of like Kyler Murray. If, if I have to choose, I just think he's, he's, I don't know. I think he's, the most likely to run the most and that rushing upside he has, I don't know, maybe it's hurting Kenyon Drake a little bit because they're just calling pass plays and they're let, they're letting Murray run off the pass plays, which I think is instead of calling run plays for, for Drake, maybe that's hurting Drake a little bit. We can talk about that a little bit, but uh, let, I'll let you talk about Murray. I'm cool with any of those top five running quarterbacks. So I'm with you. I don't think, you know, the base projection between these guys should be all that wide, you know, gun to my head giving Murray but I think the one uh, other factor we should more strongly consider is I think Kyler to DeAndre Hopkins out of these five is like the most sure thing stack and if we're looking for the floor and the cash games I mean this is nothing against you know Cooper Diggs Metcalf uh, even Edelman I mean all those guys are great but I just think the Kyler to Hopkins uh, connection has the most guaranteed targets of any of these potential stacks it'll cost you to get up but I think there's enough value uh, elsewhere on the slate where you can afford it this week on a slate without Devontae without Michael Thomas with Julio uh, you know, all kinds of banged up and he's going to be a game time decision. Hopkins is suddenly standing out as the clear cut number one receiver. And, you know, if you can get him in that lineup as well with Kyler. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, my GPP play, I'm looking at Matt Stafford, right? So you got to all those running quarterbacks, I think are to be reasonably popular and you can stack and double stack all of them. Cam's a little tougher, but we saw, right. He can support Julian Edelman and he can support Nikhil Harry or Demir Bird If it gets into a shootout, he has that capability too. don't sleep on that. If you're like four man game stacking or things like that, but I'm looking at Stafford, a Galladay's back. They, they held him out a couple of games just to, in my opinion, to get him to full health for the rest of the season. Uh, he's back and the deep passing is going to follow. Galladay's just a beast on those deep balls. Everyone's going to be focusing, right, on the Arizona side in this game. This total is shooting through the roof. Why can't Galladay or why can't Stafford to Galladay to Hawkinson uh, to, to Marvin Jones, why can't he be the one that goes for 350 and four 
in this game instead of, you know, Kyler Murray, maybe it is Kenyon Drake that maybe scores two touchdowns or something like that. So I'm looking at Stafford as the run back, much lower ownership. You get lower ownership on the main targets too. Uh, so in GPPs, I'm just taking the opposite side as much as I like Kyler Murray, right? I'm taking the opposite side in terms this week. I like that call because Stafford Stafford last year in the first eight weeks of the year led the league in average yeah. target depth. They were just slinging it downfield to his heart's desire. This year, he's more middle of the pack and it's down from like 11 plus yards to nine, which makes sense. You don't have Kenny Galladay out there. You're not going to be trying to do the same things you would with him. But it makes sense that Stafford, like Minshew without Chark last night, you know, you take away the guy's baller alpha, number one wide receiver, might not have the same results. So truly a huge addition to get for that offense. I'm looking at Daniel Jones this week. I was sitting all the way down at 55. This is my single favorite, you know, GPP uh, kind of passing game stack of the week because they're home. They're facing a 49ers defense that is still scaring everyone off. But guess what? The week three 49ers defense should not scare anyone off because they are all sorts of banged up right now. Richard Sherman's on IR still. Jason Barrett's still out. Uh, Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas hit IR with knee injuries. You even got like Ronald Blair, Julian Taylor, that they're questionable. D Ford's going to miss this week. Like it's okay. They got the win against the Jets last week and that's great but I think the gap between the Jets and the Giants and honestly the Jets and like the next worst team in football is pretty wide I think the Giants going to give them uh, more of an effort and then we look on the Giants side of the ball and the injuries they're going through this is already a top six seven passing team in the league they're going to throw the ball even more without Saquon Barkley in the picture and also Sterling Shepard's on IR so usually this has been a tough offense to really realize who the targets are going to go to because of how viable all these guys are but we take Barkley and Shepard out of the picture all of a sudden we got Darius Slayton Golden Tate and Evan Ingram, I think, is all viable stacking partners, even all three of them, honestly. With Daniel Jones, it's going to be a very affordable stack that allows you to pay up uh, other positions to get some studs. And, yeah, last year, only Lamar Jackson had more 30-point performances than Daniel Jones. Uh, and, you know, we know the spikes are there. He's got a nice rushing floor as well. And I think people are just afraid of this matchup that, again, once you pull back the court curtain a little bit, isn't quite as scary as it normally would be. Yeah, the one thing I like about Daniel Jones, right, having to waste stacks covering Shepard – Tate, Ingram, Saquon, all those guys, right, is tough sell in GPPs. you got to waste 10 lineups to find one good one. Now it's basically three guys, I think, catching a lot of the passes, so it's condensed. That makes it much easier in DFS, so I like that quite a bit. Uh, Let's go to the running back position. We both like, as our cash play, Miles Sanders, just too cheap, came back, assumed his workhorse role, and this week it is presence galore. He gets to go up against the Bengals. They're 20th in run D grade uh, as a team on PFF. Uh, Sanders played 76% of the snaps this week. And uh, if you look at our gridiron IQ, it's like our tool here that puts all sorts of t- statistics, basically your battle station. If you're a roto grinder subscriber to look at all sorts of data, it's all green on B- Bengals defense for run. The green is good. Uh, you want all that over there. So it's looking really good. Uh, they're along the third most run yards, highest run play percentage against so far. They've allowed 12 run plays of 10 plus yards against. Uh, Miles Sanders is in a smash spot. You can pa- I like a couple passing options. Maybe Wentz gets on track here. You can do whatever you want against the Bengals. And I think uh, I think their offense is just good enough to maybe keep pace. I, I know the Eagles defense is going to be pretty popular on DraftKings because they're cheap. But I think the Bengals are going to become a better offense as the season progresses. Maybe it starts here. This game is a sneaky shootout potential, and uh, it looks like we're both all in on Miles Sanders. Yeah, no, I think he deserves to be the highest known running back on the slate. After we saw last week, he came back to a true 78% plus snap workhorse role, you know, seven targets. Uh, absolutely understand the alert. I just think, you know, right around that same price point, like Kenyon Drake, if you can get Sanders and Drake in your cast lineup, I mean, by all means, uh, go for it. Because Drake, you know, almost the concern going this year was like how involved is Chase Edmonds going to be? And he's been he's been getting some touches, but it's the Kenyon Drake show. He's gotten 71% and 65% of the snaps. I mean, he's one of only eight running backs this year with at least 40 touches. And I know a lot of them have been on rush attempts, but he's getting the workload we want. They've just faced two really tough defensive lines so far in the 49ers and the football team uh, from Washington. God, it's always so tricky talking about them. But uh, they've had those two matchups. And now, you know, as you're talking about the Bengals uh, just being, you know, a team everyone can run on, Lions are the same way. I mean, David Montgomery week one, 13 carries, 64 yards. They got down the scoreboard, so they couldn't keep beating him. But he was being efficient. And then last week, Aaron Jones went absolutely bonkers. 18 carries, 160 yards, pair of scores, not to mention what he did as a receiver. So, you know, we saw all these blow up, you know, blow up overall RB1 performances from Kenyon Drake in the last month of uh, 2019 season. I think we're overdue for another one. This is a perfect spot for him to make it happen. 
Yeah, why don't you talk about uh, your GPP play too? Yeah, Dave Montgomery, I'm fine going back to the well here. I know people, you know, used kind of the high draft picks on him last year and he didn't respond. But even if you look at last season, towards the end of the year, like Miles Sanders, he started to improve a little bit. The difference was the Bears weren't really in the playoff race the same way as the Eagles were. But, you know, two weeks through this year, Dave Montgomery, he's 11th among 53 running backs in yards after contact per rush. He's 8th in missed force tackles per touch, 11th overall in PFF's rushing grade. So the guy's been out there making people miss the way we wanted him to coming out of college. Tariq Cohen's been involved, but really not much. Uh, Cordero Patterson's been uh, siphoning away a lot of his snaps. So it's risky because it's the Falcons, and hey, maybe the Falcons get up fast on him like they were able to do on the Cowboys last week, and we know Montgomery is game script dependent, so he's not a cast play in this spot, but you know, I don't think the Falcons' uh, run defense is anything we need to fear. It's the Cowboys and Seahawks have been able to pass all over him, but I mean, it's a, still a situation where they give up a ton of receptions to the backs, and Tariq might not be the guy getting those. I mean, shout out Montgomery having, I think it was a 30-yard touchdown last week, uh, a little broken play, making some dudes miss out there. So uh, Montgomery's, I think he's a nice pivot, uh, kind of as uh, current uh, p- price off, off of, you know, more chalkier Sanders and Drake uh, people. I would stick to them in cash, you know, go after someone like Montgomery, who, again, good matchup, and uh, he does have a chance at 20-plus uh, touches if things go his way. And he lets you get maybe like a DeAndre Hopkins or spend up at tight end in your lineup too. So that's a good way to differentiate. Mine is going to be, it's sort of in the price tier of some of the elite guys you want to use, but I'm looking at James Conner. Team's been running all over Houston this year, right? So uh, Conner, 78% of the snaps last week after we were worried about Benny Snell. Houston's allowed the second most run yards, the second highest rushing success rate, the third highest yards per carry. Uh, PFF has them rated as the 30th run defensive grade team in in the league so far this year. Uh, we've, we've just seen him get run all over. Uh, I like it as an ownership swerve. It's not really leverage. Maybe it's a little leverage off Deontay Johnson, who I think is going to be reasonably popular getting all those targets. Uh, but you switch to, to Connor. Uh, he's a swerve off some of those guys at that same price range while also giving you a little bit of leverage uh, on Deontay Johnson. Uh, I'm looking at him. I like the Steelers to win this game. Um, you know, I had him at minus four. I'm taking that. And uh, if that plays out, uh, Connor's probably going to get, I don't know, 20 touches in this offense this week. So yeah. I'm looking at him to have a nice, nice game this week. Uh, friendly reminder, uh, if you guys are watching on YouTube or listening on a podcast, if you're, you know, I mentioned Gridiron IQ, I'm looking at ownership percentages. Hey, if you want to get your hands on that, listening to the show, we're going to give you a discount uh, on our core four subscription. If you go over, uh, I believe Devin's posting the link, but you can find, uh, if you go up to sign up, Use code PFF, right? We had DFF or DraftKings earlier. This is PFF because it's the PFF show we're on right here. Get you $5 off your first month of Roto-Grinders. You get access to cool things like Gridiron IQ. Uh, you get Lineup HQ. You get all the articles. Uh, you get expert rankings. There's so much stuff on Roto-Grinders. And it's not just football, right? You get baseball. You get basketball. You get golf. All that, too. And then if you want to get all the little sports, I guess League of Legends is pretty, something's happening in some video games right now. I don't know. There's like a championship. Uh, if you want to get access to uh, what we call our, uh, you know, the all the little side uh, sports, uh, you can get a bigger discount on that, $20 off your first month over there. So go check that out. Uh, that's code PFF when you sign up. All right, let's get to wide receiver. Uh, I'll, I'll start off here. I mentioned Deontay Johnson. Uh, we've got CD Lamb. They're both 5,400 on DraftKings. I'm looking at some cash game plays. If you there's there's a couple of ways to basically make your cash teams on DraftKings this week. You can min max at the wide receiver level. You can get frisky with like uh, KJ Hamler at 3,000 and spend up, or you can get a little you know more safer production in the mid tier in the 5,400 range. Deontay Johnson and Lamb. How do you not like Lamb? Seattle's been lit up by slot wide receivers all season long. Uh, Lamb is basically a slot receiver. He's played 90% of his snaps from the slot. Seems like a good match. I know it's just two weeks of data. I don't like to make too many inferences on two weeks, but I'm going for it here. I think Lamb's a really good play. He looks really good in that Cowboys uniform. The other one's Deontay Johnson. I like Connor. Maybe Connor and Deontay don't get there. Deontay's definitely going to be the more popular player. Uh, but the Texans getting no pass rush. I mentioned how bad they are at run defense. There's also 30th ranked in PFF pass rush grade as a team through two weeks. Um, he's got back-to-back double-digit target games. He's getting separation. He's getting deep downfield targets that provide fantasy value. Both those guys are just too cheap, in my opinion, and they fit really good in that mid-tier wide receiver build. You load up on stud running backs. You get one of your good quarterbacks. 
that's one way. The other way is to get a little friskier with a couple of the minimum price plays and maybe get a DeAndre Hopkins in your in your cash games. I'm I think I'm going to go that mid route, Ian. Getting frisky. I, I, I want to get frisky <laughs> with uh, KJ Hamler. You look at uh, his NFL debut, and we saw everything we wanted to see out of this guy. And, you know, had the draft capital, top three rounds, and just had the injury early on in training camp, unfortunately. So I think the hype kind of died out on him. But this is truly, if he if he would have run at the combine, I mean, I think he would have clocked something in the 4-2 range. I mean, this mm-hmm. dude can absolutely fly. And you look at week one, Jerry Judy was in and out a little bit with a rib injury, so he was only at 57% snaps. But Hamler, 62%, and Tim Patrick, 65%. He's in three wide receiver sets already. He's starting out there, and, you know, he's a big part of his passing game. And we saw that last week. I mean, he caught three of seven targets. He's not like this field stretcher. We need him to convert on one big one downfield type of guy. I mean, good film with him, you know, even twisting up Joe Hayden a little bit on some out routes and getting the ball. And this all came with Jeff Driscoll under center. And the thing about Driscoll, like, okay, I don't think he's going to lead the Broncos to playoff contention or anything, but this can be a guy that still enables his wide receivers. I mean, over these past two seasons, only Matt Stafford, Jameis Winston, and Jeff Driscoll have a double-digit average uh, uh, target depth. So he is fine throwing it down the field. He can move around, you know, maybe evade uh, that Buccaneers pass rush and give his guys a little bit more of a chance. You know, it's 3,000, and I think it's a guy with a target projection of at least five or six and the speed to make the most out of it. So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit risky, but I do think uh, the floor uh, is a little bit higher than people are giving it credit for. And then quickly, GPP. I mentioned Daniel Jones and why, you know, I'm high on him already, but yeah, Darius Slayton and Golden Tate. Slayton, you know, I think we talked about in week one, like every time one of these guys is out, he tends to ball out, you know, when the target share is more condensed. It's certainly looking that way now. And, you know, against this 49ers secondary, if Sherman was there and they had the pass rush, okay, it'd be more concerning, but they don't. And because of that, uh, Slayton is set up to thrive. And even Golden Tate is going a little under the radar as well. Now he'll get all those snap uh, slot reps with Sterling Shepard out. Uh, Tate first week back last week uh, from the hamstring injury. He looked good, was playing his usual role, didn't see him any worse for the wear. So Slayton and Tate in tournaments and KJ Hamler in cash. All right. My tournament play at wide receiver. I mean, yeah, in theory, I think we could come up with 20 tournament plays for wide receiver. (laughs) But one I like, uh, it's giving you leverage off Chalky Miles Sanders. That's Deshaun Jackson. Uh, the The Bengals D just sucks, right? You can run on them. You can pass on them. They're giving up big passing plays. Uh, and what I like about Deshaun is, uh, you know, that Eagles offensive line, a little banged up. Uh, good news, 31st in team pass rush grade. That would be the Bengals at PFF in my head. Hey, that gives Carson Wentz some time. That gives Deshaun Jackson some time to beat some receivers deep. A couple of touchdowns, 100 yards. That's up. Uh, that You know, I like that uh, possibility in tournaments. Uh, he bumped up to 75% of the snaps last week after being a little down in week one. Maybe he was a little bit banged up. So I like he's getting more snaps. There's no Rieger. He's going to be the, the field stretcher. It's not going to be J.J. Sega white side. He's not really going to be doing too much on the opposite side. You can mix in uh, one, of the, one of the tight ends, too, for a little bit more safer output, I think, too. And they both obviously have an upside. Uh, but Jackson in a, in a tournament gives you leverage off of Sanders. Uh, may, I think you can even play Wentz, Sanders, and Deshaun in the same lineup. San, Sanders catches enough passes, so don't forget to include him every now and then in your one stacks. But uh, I like Deshaun. It's just setting up for him to have a, have a really big game. Yeah, man. Uh, moving on to tight end real quick. I like Jordan Aikens in cash. He's only 3,400. He's against the Steelers. It's a tough matchup, but you know, I agree with you. I think the Steelers can get the better of the Texans. We're going to see Watson in comeback mode. And as we've seen in the first two weeks, he's going to put up yards. And he's going to get into someone. Aikens has been that guy uh, so far. Nine targets through these first two weeks. He's caught all nine for uh, 94 yards and a score. And he's playing more than any of these wide receivers. Like, that's the best part. Last year, we couldn't use Aikens or Fells because they were splitting snaps almost right down the middle. This year, Fells is more of a 20, 30% guy. He got the red zone touchdown last week. They do like using them down there. But Aikens is the one with the upside. He's the one actually running down the seam, you know, getting those potential 20-plus yard targets. And back-to-back weeks playing over 80% of the offensive snaps. I mean, we, we know they're going to go out there and pass the ball. They're probably going to have to against uh, against this defense. And, you you know, seven catches of 55 yards last week, a week after he went for 40 and a touchdown. I think we're still a little bit behind the ball and embracing Aikens as, you know, an upside tight end too at the worst. So at 3,400, I think he's, a, you know, an awesome cheap option to get there. And then GPP, Hayden Hurst at 4,700. Look, like the problem with Hurst has been, for me at least, the reason why I didn't rank him high is because they're going into Sunday and it's Julio, Ridley, and then maybe Hurst, maybe Gage. But we're looking at a potential number four pass game option most week. If we take Julio out of the picture, at least he's as banged up as he is right now. Now we can, you know, zero in on Hurst a little bit more as someone 
uh, that we can take a chance on. Uh, still wouldn't go anywhere near cash. I mean, the 47 price, uh, 4700 price tag isn't exactly cheap, but you know, they designed a nice touchdown for him last week where they faked the screen. He kind of ran a wheel deep. They, they've been kind of designing deep shots for him all season. So clearly he's not this, you know, Austin Hooper, so much of his production was just underneath and kind of intermediate areas of the field, which, Hey, he made it work, but Hurst actually has, I think more uh, big play upside. He's got the speed. And uh, I think we could see uh, some big plays from someone against the bears defense. That is, is pretty good, but I don't think they're the same, you know, 2018 world beaters we saw back then. Yeah. Julio headed for a game time decision. You think Julio plays this week? Uh, Yeah, I think he plays that dude's so tough, but I think it's like last week where he's more or less of the version out there. Yeah. I wouldn't, I say it's legitimately 50, 50, but I think he, he, he is going to be limited in some way, shape or form. Exactly. Uh, so, so for me at the tight end position, I'm just going to get to eat the chalk and cash games. Logan Thomas. He's just, He's too cheap. He's getting just targeted all over the field. He's not catching a lot, but, you know, the targets are there. The air yards are there. Uh, Cleveland's allowing the most fantasy points per game so far this year to tight ends. It's just two games. But, hey, I'm, I'm looking for something to do. I don't want to spend money at tight end in cash usually if I don't have to, right? I want the high every touch Miles Sanders. I want Zeke. I want Derrick Henry. I want those running backs. So I have to sacrifice every now and then. Tight end's a good position, especially when you're able to do it with a player who played every snap in week two per uh, gridiron IQ. He's ran a route on every pass attempt last week that Dwayne Haskins had. He's out there running routes. He's out there playing snaps. Could be against this tight end funnel defense. And the Browns are, they've really been really stout against the run against two reasonably good running offenses. So if you're able to pass on them, that sets up good for Thomas. The, uh, you know, I think the Browns can win this game. I know you like the Redskins too, but if you like the Redskins on the betting side, come on, Ian, get on board with me with Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. We just haven't quite seen that efficiency with him yet, but all the targets and the air yards and stuff are there. So I was, you know, I wasn't quite buying Thomas after week one, but they went right back to him in week two. So I still think Antonio Gibson is that number two weapon in that offense eventually, but Hey, I you know, like they're, they're feeding eight, eight plus t- uh, targets per game to any tight end. We got to pay attention. All right. And uh, last week, right, I talked about a tight end for tournaments. What's one of the biggest signals for a tight end? Big home favorites. I mentioned John Smith. Smash. That one worked out pretty well. This week, I got at low ownership. I got Hunter Henry. How does this sound for you, right? We saw him. Uh, he's had – nobody's talking about him because he just hasn't gotten in the end zone yet. If he gets into the end zone in either games, you know, his ownership would be double this week. So he had good rapport uh, with Justin Herbert. Herbert's going to be starting this game. It's the Panthers. Anybody can have a GPP winning performance against the Panthers defense right now. Why not Hunter Henry? Uh, he's a great tight end. Uh, he's just a little bit higher priced than, you know, a guy like Thomas, a guy like uh, Jordan Akins, right? Nobody's going to be using him. Uh, I, I think this is the, the big home favorite tight end. This is when they smash low ownership. Uh, Hunter, Hunter Henry in a GPP game. I like it, man. Now I got to go against you a little bit here. I, I, I think the Steelers hype is a little bit unwarranted. We've seen that line move down from six to four. And I don't know if they are this juggernaut yet. They've gotten the two wins and it makes sense that Rossberger and company, they continue to get better. And they did look better on offense in week two than week one. But the Texans defense at 2100 to me is interesting because this has been just the worst possible start you could ask for pl- facing the Ravens and the Chiefs back to back weeks. Like, no, they didn't look great in those matchups, but there's a reason why we didn't see you know the Ravens and Chiefs having their usual dose of big plays in those games the Texans defense isn't awful when they have J.J. Watt on the field which they do right now and also shout out Bradley Roby who's been using shadow covers this year and he did really did a good job limiting both Tyree Kill and Marquise Brown so I think the situation where Juju's got this knee injury he's been a little banged up you know J.J. Watt can have one of his J.J. Watt games and we got Bradley Roby making life difficult for Deontay Johnson Rossberger's not looking too mobile out there I just think the Texans are not this trash you know bottom five team that they're kind of been made out to be uh, after two just really tough weeks and when they are literally the second cheapest defense on the entire slate at just 2100 i mean you know me i'm naming kj ham i'm, I'm looking for as the, you know, the friskiest plays possible <laughs> you're min, min max in your lineups this week. exactly so i think if you want to go men if you want to get one of those bottom five defenses I go with Houston. If you want to just pay up a little more and not have to worry about this, I understand. But I do think uh, maybe the more of a GPP play, but I do think uh, the Houston uh, kind of defense and team overall isn't quite as bad as they're being made out to be right now. All right. I'm going to throw a couple defenses for cash. I like the Eagles. If you need to save a couple bucks, if you have some money, the Chargers look like the stone cold lock of the week. In my opinion, we saw what the Buccaneers did last week against Carolina. I think the Chargers are a better defensive unit. They're at home. They're big favorites, right? They get out to the lead. 
Panthers have to pass. That's interceptions, that's sack opportunities, and that Chargers defense is good enough for there. And uh, I mentioned the Falcons last week, right? They scored the the uh, the Cowboys scored a lot of points, uh, but it, there were a lot of turnovers in that game too. If you want to have some fun, Falcons home against Mitch in a tournament that seems reasonable to me. Uh, and then you got one that I like too. You got a you know they give you all sorts of cool statistics behind the scenes over at PFF, and I'm a little jealous. Uh, so tell the people why you like the Rams a little bit. Yeah, Rams on the road uh, at 3K, looking like pretty low projected ownership. We know they got Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. They're not as complete as they were in the past, but they still got some blue chippers out there. I love Josh Allen. I mean, I'm trying to turn PFF into a Josh Allen company. I know we get hit on that all the time. But, uh, look, he's been great in these first two starts, but come on now. Like, they played the Jets and the Dolphins. Really cozy opening stretch. And I saw uh, Josh Hersmeyer from 538, super sharp dude. Uh, he put out an article looking at Josh Allen and – Pretty much like his conclusion was that, okay, Josh Allen has been playing really good in the more kind of volatile metrics we track, but in the more consistent things, he's been a little bit middle of the pack quarterback. So it's going to be tough for him to keep looking like, you know, the literally one of the best quarterbacks in the league for too many weeks. We know he's got this like turnover uh, prone floor and that really hasn't gone away this year. I mean, we do have uh, one of the cool stats is the turnover worthy plays uh, that tracks, you know, dropped interceptions, uh, fumbles that maybe they recovered, plays that weren't necessarily turnovers, but certainly were worthy of being a turnover. And Josh Allen is still right up there in the top three in the league in those as well as dropped interceptions. So it's been going great for him. I mean, I don't think he's going to get shut down. Like, I, I'd be fine. I'm still treating Josh Allen as a top six fantasy quarterback. But, you know, as you mentioned in that uh, Falcons game last week, you can give up a lot of points and still put together uh, some big defense performances. So I think the Rams uh, have a chance to, you know, force three-plus turnovers. And who knows, they find a way to make it to the end zone. We could be looking at a nice GPP defense to have. And you can stack them with uh, Daryl Henderson, assuming uh, Cam Akers gets rolled out all right it's that time in the show uh Devin the people have requested that smooth sounds of those blades hitting the air so get that moving for the people uh we've got the chopper plays from Ian Ian let's go over what these are if you guys ever forget to listen to the podcast these are available on PFF he has an article he tweets it out uh you can go read about them um, but I'll give you a couple minutes here to talk about some guys in consideration for your player of the yeah, as always, I restricted the Sunday main slate contest only. Can't be among the top five highest priced players. Britt, you broke that rule last week and Saquon got hurt. So I thank a, you. So I, I ruined it. <laughs> so thank you for that. Uh, can't have a projected ownership over 5% on DraftKings. And we're looking for 100 total yards and two scores. And QB is 300 total yards and four scores. So, you know, I'm 0 2 on the finalists uh, this season, unfortunately, but I'm feeling good about these guys moving forward. And, you know, last week, I, you know, even if it's not finalists, you know, an L is an L is an L, but uh, I was happy to see uh, Mostert and Austin Eckler, two of the finalists last, last week, go out and have some, uh, you know, pretty big games. So this week, guys, I'm looking at Chris Carson is honestly the favorite, I think, to uh, get the nod this week. Russ is cooking, and that's awesome. And the passing game looks great, and the Seahawks offense looks great. And for some reason, Carson, I think, is flying far too under the radar because in week one, he comes out, and DJ Dallas was a healthy scratch. So great. Carson caught two touchdowns because he's their pass down back. Carlos had, had more carry zone. It was a question like, okay, is this going to be the Carson-Penny split we saw last year but with Hyde? No, because week two he comes back and he commands 17 carries. Hyde was more of an afterthought, and he got back to playing his usual 60%, 70% plus snaps roll. So Carson is in line for the 15, 20 carries he gets more weeks than not, and he's you know getting all these pass, passing game reps. So still hasn't you know managed to find his way and ends on the ground. I mean, that's not going to stick for the whole year. Russ has been uh, dropping these deep passes in, and that's great, but, you know, Russ can keep having all the success he wants through the air. They're not going to keep ending up in the end zone every time. I think Carson is a talented guy as a big home favorite against a pretty mad defense. And it's just a good way how to get a, you know, highest game total of the week. I don't know why Carson isn't projected more. The wide receivers, I get it, but I think Carson uh, is flying a little bit under the radar. Uh, Antonio Gibson, another one. And this guy, you can really save some money. I mean, I, I didn't list them in the cash or GPP plays, but uh, I think at 4,700, you know, he honestly qualifies for both. Look, after week one, it was like, crap, Peyton Barber is playing a ton, so is J.D. McKissick. That changed immediately. Gibson last week played 65% of the offensive snaps, team high 13 carries. Barber played one snap the entire game, and Gibson got both targets over J.D. McKissick. So I know Washington offense not looking great so far, but if anyone should be the front runner to be the number two weapon on this offense sooner rather than later, I think it's Gibson. I think after this week, we're going to be treating him as more of a weekly RB2. Uh, Daniel Jones talked about him plenty before and the reasons why I like him, but I do think he has that 300 total yard, total yards and four touchdown upside. 
in this spot and plenty affordable to do it. And finally, uh, you know, I would say right now, like out of this group, also, by the way, I, I had Kenyon Drake in there, but I think that's kind of cheating because his projected ownership, a little bit higher than I was seeing before, but love Kenyon Drake. But I would say the two finalists I have out of these five are Chris Carson and uh, Cooper Cup from the Los Angeles Rams because Cup was on my fade list after doing the season because at the end of last year, super uh, kind of up and down usage in terms of just snaps. I mean, he played 28% snaps in a game against the bears finished with 61%. The Rams stopped going to three wide receiver sets as much. And they weren't even using cup and two wide receiver sets. Well, you know, they pay the man and fast forward two weeks into this year, he's played over 85% of the offensive snaps in both games. We haven't seen the blow up spot, but again, I think that's more just because uh, golf hasn't really need to throw more than 30 or so times in these games. If we get a matchup where the bills and Rams are going back and forth a little bit, I think it's a spot where cup can throw because you look at what this uh, Bills defense has done against slot receivers. Crowder had the 115 yards in the score. And okay, even if you want to say that was fluky because of the screen, Jasicki, who is a wide receiver that we call a tight end, went for 130 yards in the score. And even Isaiah Ford, the Dolphins slot receiver, had seven catches for 76 yards. So uh, Teron Johnson, the Bills nickel back, I mean, he's given up the second most receptions in the league and slot coverage. Davis White does not move inside. I think he's going to be on Robert Woods. And, you know, Cup, right now he's on a 10-game streak without 100 yards in a score. That's the longest such stretch since his rookie season. Uh, I'm a little afraid just, you know, are we going to trust golf to not just have a complete letdown game, you know, on the road in Buffalo. But right now I don't think this Bills defense is quite as, a, you know, fearful of a unit to fear as, you know, maybe they were last year. You know, I have to check out the uh, – uh, final designations, but I know uh, last week, you know, not having Tremaine Edmonds and not having Matt Milano, their two linebackers, did make a big difference. And that explains why they've been so weak, you know, in the middle of the field. So I would say, especially if, you know, we get clarification later today that Edmonds and Milano are out, fire up Cooper Cup everywhere. Want to burst your bubble on Chris Carson? We've got him at 10% on DK, 15% on FanDuel currently. Okay. So I'll, I'll give it just, Hey, listen, uh, you're going to hit me for the rules. I'm going to come, <laughs> at, come at you for the rules on that. Ten, one. But 10% Carson is still far too low. Come on. Since like Tuesday or Wednesday, Carson is starting to gain a little bit of steam. I'll just let you know on that. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to keep pace with the end real quick. Mine are James Connor. I talked about him earlier. Uh, I know you like the, the Texans defense a little bit, but I think you can just run all over them. I like Connor. I wish the Steelers really want to just pass the ball a lot. So maybe if they just get up and then uh, he's able to sort of close out the game, Connor, 100 yards, a touchdown. I think that's well within his uh, outcome, and he's going to be under sub 5%. And then I'm fighting you for those targets in the middle of the field. Uh, I got Tyler Higby. I do. I guess we're both on the same page here that that Bills defense is sort of funneling to the middle of the field. Um, you know, they're giving up all that production to Gasecki, to Ford, and to Crowder. Higby's going to be 3% owned. We've got him pegged for on a week. Everybody's paying down at the position, so you're getting a little different there, and it's going to make you just a little bit different everywhere else in your lineup. He's played 87 and 81% of the snaps in the first two weeks. He's not running as many routes as I really want him to, but Sean McVay's a smart dude. I'm going to, I'm going to guess Sean McVay lets Tyler Higby after he catches all those touchdowns last week run a few more routes. I think all those people that didn't like Higby in the best ball and all that stuff, they were crazy. Higby's going to be in line for a big year, and I like him to have a – I mean, a guy that scored three touchdowns last week, Ian, that nobody wants to play this week is extremely rare, and uh, I I think that middle of the field is going to be wide open for the Rams. So those are my two. That's going to do it for today's PFF show. Again, you can find Ian on Twitter at I-H-A-R-T-I-T-Z. That's Ian Harditz. Uh, I am at Brit underscore Divine. Uh, and good luck out there in the streets in week three. See you next week for week four. For Ian, I'm Britt. Thanks for watching, and we out you. Mm-hmm.